Uh, shopping for books. I can think of uh, somebody in the room uh, who wrote a book that you can find on Amazon.com. We'll talk about it. We'll talk to him later. You keep your yap trap right in, you, <laughs> right now. You, you can go on Amazon.com through the Feral Audio Portal and buy his book. What's the book going to be? Stay tuned it's to Beyond Yacht Run. It's a mystery. Stay tuned to Beyond. You're going to find out what book you could buy on Amazon. Okay, it's my, it's Did I write a book? Did I write a book? No, keep no, no it's, not it's, you, Steve. It's, it's my book. It's my book, guys. Shut, Shut up! Oh, God. Shh. Oh, sorry. Shh. I've never seen Sophie's Choice, but I understand it's about a lady who has to choose which of her little kids will die in the Holocaust. With a logline like that, the only time I'd ever imagine making time to watch that would be if I were faced with a similar situation and needed advice. But. Uh, it's upon that terrifying premise that we build today's show. I have seen Sophie's Choice. It's not a great movie. It's a lot of long, static close-ups of Meryl Streep telling stories. Like, I could have shot half of it myself. Uh, and it's also told from the perspective of an, of an aspiring writer, which is the laziest choice a writer can make. And by the time they finally flash back to Sophie making her legendary choice... You start to wonder why you should still be awake. Like, you can go watch the scene on YouTube and you'll be fine. You'll get the whole gist of it. None of that's relevant. Wait, I did watch it on... No, I watched it on YouTube. That's totally relevant. Okay, listen. Just go watch that scene on YouTube. You'll get the gist. trying to keep this brief. We got a lot to get to today. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not. You rarely run across a person who has two very distinctive musical loves. David underscore B underscore Lions at Twitter.com is such a person. Like children, these two musical loves are his re- raison d'être, the soundtrack to his personality. Good pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. I took French in college. Late into it. Not relevant, trying to get through this, guys. Raisin. One of his musical loves is smooth and slick, handsome and mainstream. The other is ugly and rough and rebels from societal norms. If you were to force him to choose between his two musical loves to decide which is his favorite, it would be like asking him to tear himself in half creating a crisis of character that may lead to a complete mental breakdown. So today we're going to do that. We're going to give him a complete <laughs> mental breakdown. Oh boy. Tear him apart. Beyond Yacht Rock. <laughs> uh, Dave, put on that Sophie's Choice dress. This is Beyond Yacht Rock. Neil Diamond versus Punk Rock. Ooh. I've never been so happy. Come back again. Wait till you have to make that choice. Oof. This is the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. Usually we make up genres and count them down, but because this is episode 35, we, we do crazy on the five. It's a wild card! And today we're doing another battle episode. We're putting Neil Diamond up against punk rock. Dave decides which is better. Yeah, one of them's going to die. Who's my, it going to be? My name is J.D. Riznar. I'm Hunter Stare. I'm Hollywood Steve Huey. I'm Dave Lyons. And today, because Dave has to choose... He's not going to talk about this stuff. We brought in a special guest to argue one of the sides, Mr. Dave Holmes, one of the most brilliant pop music minds in the world. Oh, so excited. So excited. I can only disappoint you with that, with that intro. Yes. So Since I look forward to that. Sides, I'm excited for you to disappoint me. Okay. Great. No, not great. opposite sides. The correct side and the wrong side. Oh, those, those are still opposites. All right. Dave Holmes, you've lost already. 
I gotta say, Dave, you wrote some blog article yep. a couple years ago, and I don't remember what it was called. Oh, but it included the anecdote. I, I did write a lot of things. So yeah, it included the anecdote to... about you and your friends going to see Legal Eagles just to hear a Rod Stewart song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That article is yeah. great, and I think that article might be like one of the sparks that ignited like the idea for this podcast. Like, how can we tell little stories with music? Oh, yeah, I love that. I love, I love that article. I love that almost as much as I love the Legal Eagles. <laughs> A movie that was relevant to fourteen-year-olds. <laughs> don't let him. St. Louis don't let him do that to you. Don't what? He's he's buttering you up. Oh, okay. No, I can take it. I'm okay. Take okay. It. Good. All I can right. take. It. I'm not going to let that cloud my judgment at all. <laughs> and by the way, I'm not the one doing the judging. I'm just the one doing the argument, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Correct. You can I mean, you can also judge us. Okay. Too. Um, right. I'd like to throw a shout out to Dave's book. It's called Party of One. Thank you. It's fucking fantastic. Thank you very much. I was telling you this in the parking lot earlier. Uh, it wasn't what I expected. It was even better. Thank and, you. And very I had much. high hopes okay. uh, going into it. Uh, one thing I did want to tell you about the book. Yes. Um, you didn't really touch on um, how inspiring you were as a person to music nerds watching you oh. at the time you were going through the MTV things. That'd be a weird chapter, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> I guess it would. Here's how inspiring I was. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I got to tell you, like, Thank you. watching at the time, my friends were all rooting for you, and it was fantastic to see somebody that we consider to be like us on TV talking about music. Yeah, thanks. Fucking loved it. That Thank was, you, man. That was, I felt, at that moment, at that time, I period, I felt like that was one of my first moments of feeling like an adult where I was screaming and going, this guy knows what he's talking about. Oh, yeah. I love it. But the, and the thing is, though, I, what are you doing? I had so few opportunities to... To say anything you know what I mean like it was everything that we did was so quick you know so like it's nice to hear that but I also like I didn't say anything but you, you could, know what I mean you could tell I oh think my I, god no, could you was, ever I yeah well I just didn't look like somebody who would be on TV so I think I think people projected musical knowledge onto me because they were like well there must be some reason this guy's on so that wasn't our reality I think we all had the same moment of that guy knows what he's doing well, I'll take it Thank well, you. let's put him to the test well, see if he knows what he's talking about okay we gotta talk about this Neil Diamond song it's almost over I'm going to start it over again. This is called Heartlight. We like to throw a bone to Yacht Rock in every episode. So because this is a Neil Diamond special, we asked ourselves, how close did Neil Diamond get to dipping his toe into Yacht Rock? And this song might be the closest he's ever come. E.T. will pull it out of you, man. Um, this is 1982's Heartlight off his album Heartlight. I'd give this one about 60% on the Yachtsky scale. It's a little too schmaltzy, both the lyrics and music, but the good production elements and some bonanza personnel push it into Yacht Rock. Um, was this... Was this inspired by E.T.? Yes, it yes, was. Yes, it was. Yeah. And that's so weird to me that that hasn't come up yet. No. Uh, I mean, this is... Turn on your heart light. Yeah, uh -huh. it makes perfect it's, sense. It's, yeah, take, gonna take a ride, ride across, across the, the moon. moon. No, it's exactly. really. Yeah, it's only wow. about ET. See, yeah. I'm whipping through all this, all these songs, and not taking the time I need to get smart about them. Yeah, yeah. you gotta I, just take a moment. I mean, we were really. I, I mean, personally, I was really looking for the right session musicians to play with Neil, mm -hmm. and so I wasn't looking at the meaning of this. I just, you got David Foster on here. Killing it on the on the piano, <laughs> and I want to I want to be clear. It's not like what we call plot rock when a song is written based on a script for the movie. Right. This was inspired by the. He movie. He went and saw the movie. Ball his eyes out. <laughs> I want to write a song. Yeah, called yeah. Heartlight. I need to take ownership of this emotion. Yes. Yeah. It's like I don't. I, yeah. And it's not so much inspired by, and it, and it's definitely it wasn't written in the run up to the movie. Like it. It's not. 
it wouldn't be on the soundtrack, but it's just it's just direct shit from the movie. Exactly. Like he, he it's weird that he doesn't mention Reese's pieces. <laughs> he should. He probably, probably couldn't get the rights. Yeah, yeah, they didn't give him enough money. Right. Um, Which that honestly, this story is now a, a bit of a, a knock against this for being Yacht Rock because it's space. Technically space themed. Well, I think I think ET is a movie with its feet planted firmly on yeah. terracotta. I think it's a very grounded film. Ter- terracotta. Yeah, whatever. What? Terracotta. Also terracotta. What he, you he spent a, a lot of time in Spain. Yeah. I love Spain. <laughs> um, let's list Yacht Rock personnel that are on the song. Yeah. It's David Foster. An extensive list. It's co-written by Carol Bayer Sager, a certified woman of yacht. Um, what else? There's Paulina da Costa, probably the third or fourth percussionist you call if you want, if you're doing a yacht rock album. Definitely top five. Craig Hunley's on the synth here, who did a song on Quincy's The Dude. That's not too bad. No. You got a uh, there's a there's a guitar, a nice little guitar in the middle of this. Who played it? Uh, not Lukather. It sounds like Jake, like it could be Jake Graydon. But it's a bit I, of a slow hand. I feel though. like maybe he didn't have the budget to get like. Everybody to make everybody be the best Didn't session player in the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was coming out. America was a, what two years old at this point? I think he had all the money in the world. Hey, yeah, but I feel like the rock and rollers were getting the money, and they'd be, hey, Neil Diamond, here's a big pot of money. It's not that much money. Don't tell Neil. The uh, fair enough. The actual guy is Marty Walsh, who worked with a little guy named Baron Longfellow. Oh, uh, maybe you've heard of him. Yeah. Oh, Andy oh. Kim. Mm-hmm. You were just talking about. I'll be right here. Another ET reference. Sorry, oh, we're geez. talking over all this yeah. great ET material. We have to, or we'll be sued. No, okay. what we do in the show. Fair, fair use. We talk about how great and interesting the song is as we talk over it. You can't yeah. hear it. At all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really smart move. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good show. <laughs> and then we get podcast. You should really listen to it. I have listened to it. <laughs> yeah, he's a fan. That's how. Yeah. That's how I. You know, David fan, and I were talking fan about fan is strong, but I've heard uh, it. <laughs> I've heard it. Great. Uh, he, this, he's polite to me at parties. Stop it. In regards to the show. I gotta no, get it out no, of no, these. I, I do. I like it. A lot. I gotta get these out of the way because uh, it's pathological. Um, the drummer is Jim Keltner. He was on Steely Dan's Dan's Asia. Uh, he was on J- Josie, and then Neil Steubenhaus, who was uh, the bassist, was also in Neer- Nielsen Pearson. In fact, they were once originally known as Nielsen Pearson Steubenhaus. Oh wow! But it didn't stick. This I don't is know why. Strange. It's a really good name. Yeah. Glad to clean that up. Welcome to the yeah. boat, Neil Diamond. Alright, so we're pitting Neil Diamond against punk rock today for yeah. Dave's benefit. It's important before we start this battle that we understand what each side means to Dave. So Dave, do you want to talk about each, each, I do. each of these and your personal connection to them? <laughs> I do. Thank God. Um, when I was about four, my mom picked me up from preschool. She had an 8-track player in her car and she fucking loved Barbara Streisand. Uh, I told her I didn't like it. She asked why, and I said, because it's despicable. Uh, apparently, I've been watching a bunch of Daffy Duck cartoons and was using them to influence my vocabulary. However, there was one song on the album that I did like, uh, You Don't Bring Me Flowers. Of course, I don't remember any of this, but it's a story that my parents love to tell me. And to this day, I still don't really care for Barbra Streisand except for the one song. And I think we can all agree that uh, Neil Diamond carries that song, and unlike Babs, he wrote it. So a few years later, in 86, he sang America, the Centennial of the Statue of Liberty. It was incredible. Uh, after hearing myself, uh, or hearing stories about me saying it was, Barbra Streisand was despicable for six years, just looked over at my mom and said, see? 
November 11th, 1993. I saw Neil Diamond in concert for the first time. Went with my best friend Dave and some other sweet dudes. The song we're listening to now, I Am I Said, last song before the encore. High school, Neil Diamond cover band. 30th birthday, my then girlfriend, now my wife, invited me to an empty studio at NBC to watch Neil Diamond do a sound check for Forever in Blue Jeans. I passed him in the hall. He said, hello. Remember what I got you for a wedding gift, JD? Really good Neil Diamond tickets. Yep. Really good Neil Diamond. Next night, Michelle and I sat in the fourth row at the bowl to see the same show. Not that good. Not that good at tickets. Well, I had better ones, and you got the... um, Neil Diamond waved me on the way in. The night of my bachelor party, before we all met up, Dave and I went and sat in the second row to see the 40th anniversary of Love at the Greek. Two of you dudes were at my dad's funeral. After the services, my friends and I sat around, played and sang Neil Diamond songs. But this song, this is one in a million. For Neil, it's about dreams and aspirations. But for me, the song represents moving from Michigan to Los Angeles and trying to make it in the entertainment industry. Trying to live in one of the most expensive cities in the country on around 200 bucks a week, listening to records with you assholes. While I become successful at work and I've found loves and love and friendship, I still identify with Kalamazoo and the friends there that I miss every day. It reminds me of where I am, who I am, and where I will be. And I hope someone is listening to this on a September morn and fucking gets it. All right, so that's how you feel about Neil Diamond. Let's see how you feel about punk rock. That was a lot to get through. Good punk work, Dave. Music. That was great. Thank you. That was solid. Hey, thanks. <laughs> uh, it's impossible for me to pick, pick my favorite punk song. It's always changing. However, I'm choosing what was probably my most influential punk song. Uh, in the 6th or 7th grade, I discovered The Clash. It was the Hard Rock Cafe in Orlando, and I put it on the jukebox. I quickly immersed myself in The Clash and the Ramones, but I lived in Indiana in the 80s, and that was about as far as you could go with punk rock. So it wasn't until I moved to Michigan I was able to meet people with a better taste in music and more liberal views on blowjobs than their uh, current uh, VP candidate. Uh, I want to explain what it was like when I moved to Michigan. I was in a new school without many friends, and I got called faggot a lot, probably because I usually hung out with only my friend Dave, like all the time. People made fun of our music and our clothes. I'd be wearing a black flag shirt Dave probably had on Mr. Bungle. First conversation I ever had with Dave was about the band shirt he was wearing. That's how we met. This song's called I Want to Be a Homosexual, and it's by a band called Screeching Weasel. It was my friend Lori that got me into this song, and ultimately this band was hanging at her house one day during the summer and she played the tape. I love the slow intro and I love how it builds and builds and then explodes into this perfect three-chord punk. It was raw, it was powerful, and it was about homosexuality. It sounded like an anthem of I don't give a fuck about what you think. And the music rocked. It was harder and faster than anything else. It sounded dangerous. You know what everyone was afraid of in Southwest Michigan in 1990? Homosexuals and black people. These guys were singing about it like they just didn't care. And as I listened, I could hear this music was clearly drawing from Ramones, which I love. And yes, gentlemen, I touched a boot that day. This band was a major stepping stone that got me into Operation Ivy, Government Issue, The Descendants, Minor Threat, and even Green Day. Three years before anyone heard of anything called Dookie. 
There was no such thing as Hot Topic back then. When you saw someone in a Ramones or a Misfits shirt, it meant something. It meant you and that other person had something important in common. You didn't give a shit about what the cool kids thought was cool because you had your own cool, and it was so much better than they'd ever know. They shaped my punk influences then and continue to do so to this day. That's why I don't really care about what's popular or going on with what other people like just for the sake of going along with it. That was never what I was, and punk rock helped me shape those ideals. That's it. I got through all of it. All right. That was punk rock. Thank you. Good job. Good job. Now, here's how this is going to go down. Wait, who's who's Dave's biggest fan that we met in San Diego? Pablo. Uh, this yeah, he gave, us, Pablo. Pablo. he gave us a fake name. He, Pablo just, he just had an orgasm listening to all of that. Yeah. You're welcome, Pablo. So, here's how this show will go down. Uh, Steve Huey and I, J.D. Riznar, are going to argue for Neil Diamond. Yeah. We have picked three songs we think are going to make David Lyons think Neil Diamond is the best. Hunter and Dave Holmes have selected two terrible Neil Diamond songs yep. they think will get Dave off the Diamond train. Then we'll take a break for 50 States. Then when we come back, Hunter and Dave Holmes have selected three great punk songs they think will reinforce Dave's love for the genre. And Steve and I... Pick two terrible punk songs mm-hmm. that we think will make Dave ashamed to be a punk fan. Mm-hmm. Once it's all done, Dave will start to deliberate. The very last words of this episode will be Dave saying either punk rock or Neil Diamond and let everyone in the audience deal with the gravity of that decision with no comment from us. You got that? Yeah. Let's do this. Also, I'm going to be doing the bumpers live in character as Dave's inner monologue. Oh, boy. Oh, yes, Hunter? I have a question. Yes? Does Dave get to elaborate on why he made his choice at the end? No. 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 It's, it's final. Boom. Final. Can we talk about it later? Yeah. Off air. Okay, great. Talk yeah. to you guys about it off air. Okay. Um, let's do this. <clears throat> oh, man. I love Neil Diamond so much. I'm sure Steve and JD understand that. We do, Dave. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> His inner monologue is succinct. Yeah, yeah that was that, that was that was really spot on. Uh, this is Neil Diamond's Cherry Cherry. When you have Neil Diamond, who needs punk rock? Three chords, a long-haired wild man, uh, carrying with him the, the oppression and dreams of an entire people. Sounds like I, a sweet dude to me. Yeah, he's great. There's a famous quote. Uh, I've heard it attributed to Bob Dylan, but it seems to have uh, originated with country songwriter Harlan Howard. Uh, it's about what you need to be a songwriter, which is three chords and the truth. Both Neil Diamond and Punk Rock adopted that manifesto, but Neil did it first. And better. And better. This is his first hit as a performer. Rolling Stone once called this one of the greatest three chord songs of all time and declared that it influenced everyone from the Ramones to John Cougar Mellencamp. Yeah, Mellencamp flat out ripped this off. Uh, it's the intro to R-O-C-K in the USA. And the romantics with what I like about you. Absolutely. And countless others. Wait, so Steve, are you saying that without Neil Diamond there would never have been punk rock? Because I kind of agree with that. I am absolutely saying that Neil yeah. Diamond kept the spirit of simple three-chord classic rock and roll alive during rock's progressive era of the late 70s. Late 60s and early 70s. Someone had to keep that fire burning bright. And aside from the Kazimitz Cats bubblegum pop factory, which had less artistic legitimacy, but which, as Dave Lyons knows, is highly enjoyable nonetheless. Aside from them, that someone was Neil Diamond. 
I mean, this song perfectly demonstrates Neil Diamond's simple profundity, his ability to be subtly filthy, and his overall charming appeal. He's a mirror image of David Lyons. Mm -hmm. I get why you like him, Dave. Yeah, he's an all right guy. And judging by the title, uh, this girl's a virgin, and, you know, until Neil gets through with her. <laughs> and Dave loves that. <laughs> Just good, good point, guys. A little, solid point. Little they can seduce anyone with their charm. <laughs> He's a showman, a singer, songwriter, cherry huh. buster. He does it all. <laughs> um, in uh, high school, my senior year, I was becoming known as a Neil Diamond enthusiast. And we did a lip sync at our um, pep assembly. And they asked me to play Neil Diamond. Uh, my best friend Dave and his buddy Brett wore dresses to play the parts of Cherry to my Neil Diamond. Yeah. And Dave was wearing some ill-fitting boxers, and his dick kept flopping out <laughs> in front of the whole school. It's great. <laughs> great story. Great story. Uh, Neil Diamond really is a best. All right. Well, wow. let's, we're, we need some time to rebut this a little bit. Sure. I just want to say uh, we're at the crossroads of Neil here. This song was originally titled Money, Money, which I'm sure was great for Neil because he was about to tell everybody in the world that how much money he had. Yeah, which he didn't yet. But this was his Not yet, but he was going to tell everybody. You got to project yeah. well. Sure. He was. He knew how to project this one. He, he read the secret. Not only did he invent punk rock, he might have invented the secret. Uh, <laughs> so for 50 years, he, he could have sang songs about money. Instead, a producer came to him and said, maybe we should change it to the name of a woman. And instead, and instead he sang 50 years of songs about Getting his dick wet. That's Neil Diamond. This is the huh. crossroads on this on this song. Sounds pretty solid, like a solid dude to me. Yeah. Just does a lot of bragging. Seems it seems immodest. Yeah. It seems unseemly. He's a bit, a bit of a bragger. If yeah. I was getting as much pussy as Neil Diamond, I would tell everyone in the world about it. I would be insufferable. Yeah. I know I know another guy who brags a lot. His name is David Lyons. So what? And, but it's cute. It's adorable. Burn. Good, good no, burn, it's, no, baby. No, it's not a burn. It's a compliment. Oh, okay. A man who brags is a, is a great man. You have to own your successes. Yeah, there it goes. Oh, man. This is Dave. I'm thinking, I think I like uh, Neil Diamond. But maybe, like, Hunter and Dave Holmes were right. Maybe there's something shitty about Neil Diamond. Uh, maybe, maybe this Neil Diamond song isn't so good. Hey Hunter, I, I think we have an opening here. I just heard his inner monologue. Seems like he's <laughs> yeah. I think we're talking like he's about weakening us. a little bit. Yeah, a little it bit. It seems like this is really the time for the uppercut. Yeah, it is. Yeah, let's get it. All let's right, get it. So this is the first time we're really working together. So interrupt me whenever you want. But okay, I please. just want to say, okay. So we're, what we're listening to now. See, the, here, here's the thing about Neil. His diamond can cut both ways. You know, <laughs> and when I say di diamond, I'm talking about his massively huge, gigantic, gigantic cock sure ego. Mm. This is you, baby, from the jazz singer. Which is a two-hour allegory about Neil's narcissism. Yeah. Which admittedly can be endearing at times, you know? I uh, will agree to disagree on that. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> no, okay. Neil has written songs about uh, crunchy granola. Mm -hmm. He sings about pot, pot, give me some pot. Pot, pot yeah. give, give me, me some pot. pot. We yeah. love it. We love it. We love his sequence. We love the way he thrusts his guitar right at our gaping mouths. Yeah. You know, yeah, who would? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who would? But there's a limit. Yeah, absolutely. That limit is at blackface. <laughs> yes. That limit is right at the door to Wait, blackface. Wait, hold on. You, so you guys are saying that this is a bad song just because Neil Diamond wore blackface Wait, during this number in this movie? That's got a lot to do with it. 
And and you have to admit that that's a good reason why no, a song might be bad. He was remaking the jazz singer. He has yeah. to please the fans of the original. The, no, it's no, all they, about blackface. The internet would be alight with outrage yeah. if he well, had not been true to the spirit of the original. And, yeah, and, and uh, it's not like he's a mammy trying to... It's not like he's a minstrel guy trying to are, amuse white people. He was trying to stop... Racist black people from getting mad at him for being a white guy. Listen, uh, big there, difference. There's, 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 there's a fine line between egoism and and sociopathy. And Neil definitely walks. I'm sorry, struts yeah. that line. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst kind part. Of shuffle. Yeah, he kind of shucks and jives. Yeah, a, a little bit, All especially at this point. Yeah. Oh man, this part of this movie. It's amazing, and it and it asks us to believe. That a an audience full of black people a would love this song, right? And that this B is, once, once they found out that he was as white as he would attack looks, him, would then turn on him and attack him on the spot. They saw a little white on his wrist. Was, oh, yeah. yeah, Ernie Hudson goes after him. No, it's yeah. when it's when he starts clapping because oh. they couldn't see him playing the guitar when his right. hands come up. Yeah, They're he like, didn't do the hands. Hey, that, that dude's a Which, honky. If and you've seen RuPaul's Drag Race, you know it's, you got you got to do the hands too. Absolutely. And, Otherwise, it's jarring. And by the way. At this time, Neil had fired at least 19 writers to get to this moment yeah. in this song. Because he, ha- here, he had to let everybody... attacked by a room full of black people. Including Ernie Hudson, who's a Ghostbuster. Yeah. And then Neil throws the first punch. Ernie Hudson represented racism. That was Neil Diamond punching racism. He sucker punched racism. Mm. I mean, isn't mm. that what racism deserves? Yeah. No, you need to talk to it for a second, see if you can find middle <laughs> ground. No, it's it's bad. It's yeah. bad. Racism is bad. He went. He went. Hey, what's over there? <laughs> right, in the, right into the Ghostbusters face. Jesus. Oh man, those guys made a good, a lot of good points about how shitty Neil Diamond is, but I really like Neil Diamond. It's kind of bumming me out. I really, my spirits lifted. I'm sure JD and Steve have a really good argument for why Neil Diamond is awesome. Did you guys pick this song because I told you it was my favorite Neil Diamond song? No, I don't remember you, you saying that at all. You assholes. I'm going to break down and cry. The, the simple it's human so truth of this good. song is so delightful and sophisticated. This, this song is like a fine, sweet-brewed pear cider straight from the tap of a bar full of friends. Oh, that sounds lovely. Doesn't it, though? That these guys didn't bring. Yeah. Well, good, good point. They're just point. invoking it. Yeah, I'm pretty good. And neither did you. You brought a beer that was not a cider, a craft beer. I actually brought a tangerine IPA because I That's thought not cider. Dave would enjoy the fruitiness. Well, how is that, by the way? It's very good. Yeah. While yeah, you want to you want a pull? I would love a pull. Dave's yeah. mother is outside enjoying the IPA part, so mm-hmm. I tried to get both ones. Oh, is that tasty? Yeah, it's good. And yeah. Hunter, Ooh. Hunter walked me to the store and uh, let me pick it out. Gentlemen, here he comes. Shiloh. It's the beginning of Neil Diamond, the artist, the visionary, the singer-songwriter, who combines sensitivity and showmanship to rule the 1970s. This song right here is the gateway into a world so idiosyncratically personal that the world is still struggling to make sense of it. It's a brilliant word, Shiloh. What does it mean? The hard vowels. It's such a poetic word. I'm glad you asked, JD, because Shiloh is the name of Neil Diamond's childhood imaginary friend. 
You see, when his father has no time for young Neil, Neil disappears into a fantasy world of his own devising, where he plays with a wild young girl named Shiloh. She's the manic pixie dream girl, a literal dream girl in this case, who convinces young Neil that he can fly on his own despite his lack of parental support and affection, which is undoubtedly the source of the narcissism that you uh, pointed out in the last song selection. This is a wounded young man developing supreme self-confidence and it's generated entirely from within his own heart. Would you guys say this is a, uh, a storytelling song of the 70s? I no. guess it was the no. 60s, right? No, no, Neil no, no, this is early 70s. He's too poetic. Oh, He's think. far too oh, so poetic. So it's not a storytelling yeah. song. Okay. It, it sounds like one to me. Yeah, I'm here me too. Right. And I just wanted, I just was wondering because you guys have in the past shit on that. The, well, the idea of the storytelling. Well, well, it's poetic lyrics. They're, they're just I just want to make sure. No, no, it's I fine. Get lost I was just lyrics. asking questions. It sounds like it's actually not only a story song, but one of the first story songs. Like, oh, yeah. A story song that would lead to many more stories. Yeah, songs. a forerunner, if you will. Yeah, yeah. that a these father. guys have continuously shit on. I'm just saying. I, I think it's this, weird how they turn face. I think the song. I think it's a, a symbol of his connection to his Jewish heritage. <laughs> you know, he does the heavy lifting for all of his people. Shiloh is an ancient. It's a city from ancient Israel, um, and the word they're not quite sure what it means, but it translates into something like "he whose it is." And I don't really even know how to translate that English into English, but I think it means something like Neil. Diamond owns. Yeah. Now, and the, the verse we just heard is the kicker to this song. We all remember Puff the Magic Dragon. Yeah. We all remember the tearjerker ending. Steve, did you bring that up because that was the song that I danced with my mother to at my wedding? I do not know that history any more than I know that uh, that this was Hunter's favorite Neil Diamond song. Wow! wow. Thanks just, for listening, Steve. It's just out there in the in the air. Thanks for paying attention to your friends. Yeah. But let me get back to Puff the Magic Dragon. Little Jackie Paper grows up and he stops visiting Imagination Land or whatever Hanalee was supposed to be. Puff ceases his fearless roar, sadly slips back into his cave. Neil Diamond gives us a similar tearjerker ending to Shiloh, but in his song, Shiloh is the one who decides to stop coming to see him. Young Neil Diamond feels so rejected and unloved that his own imaginary friend doesn't want to hang out with him anymore. But luckily, he had a dream, and it filled him with wonder, and it made him a global fucking superstar. Yeah. With a personal tragedy like that, you have to build an ego as a scab. Otherwise, you die. I, you I, have to buy narcissists. Yeah, it has you to You have be. to overcompensate in the other direction. Sometimes it takes a level of confidence up at the ceiling just to get a result that's down here close to my head. Just one second, because mm -hmm. I would like to refute this. But I, I'm glad that you picked this song, and I'm also glad that you've admitted that Neil Diamond is an egomaniac. When I listen to this song, and you're now trying to justify it, when uh, I listen to the song, you guys actually ruined the song for me. I loved it because I thought it was about a dog. Because, no. because here's the beauty of Neil Diamond is that he writes such schmaltzy stuff that you can put your own emotions into it because his are so false because yeah, let's or self-directed yeah or self-directed and let's be honest i thought it was about a dog it's not it's apparently no you misinterpreted well, it completely yeah i did well, i did to be fair so many people named their pet shiloh after that song came out just like so many people named their daughters desiree yeah after that song came out but it, honestly when after they described it it's, again, Neil's telling us the name of another girl he fucked. He did not fuck his imaginary friend. Oh, okay. No. He, I was listening he became to a man at the hands of a woman about. who was twice his age. No, okay. but he does reveal himself to be so insufferable that an imaginary person blows him off. 
That's impressive. <laughs> she, she, had, she had other plans. Yeah. Oh, man. I really like Shiloh. It was a lot of good points, but then Dave Holmes and Hunter started to really turn me around on Neil Diamond toward the end there. Jeez, oh, beats, man. I think I'm excited to see how they're going to continue to turn me from Neil Diamond. I'm eager to hear these, this next section. This is tearing me up. Okay. I... Here it comes. Yeah. Here it comes. We're you list- know what it is. Yeah. We all know what it is. Yeah, we all And do. we all know what's coming. Yeah, it's Don't true. Because we? we hear other people there besides mm-hmm. Neil. We hear people clapping. Yeah. Yeah. This is... Oh, there it is. It's not a very good rendition. No, uh, it felt bad for him. It's Sweet Caroline live at Fenway Park. Mm-hmm. You know, here's the thing. Bill Murray uh, said in What About Bob that there's two types of people in this world. Mm -hmm. Those who like Neil Diamond and those who don't. Well, Bob was wrong. There's a third type of person. An enraging character. A sheepish troglodyte who depends on laugh tracks to know when to laugh. And who depends on uh, dumb chants to know when to sing. Yeah, Troglodyte's one of my favorite insults, Hunter. I'm so glad you got that in there. (laughs) Point for Hunter. You know, this is a person who has no idea who Neil Diamond is. <laughs> but if Joe Thirty Pack in the tank top next to him goes buh, 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 before getting into a fight about his sports team is better than the other sports team, for fuck's sake, that old thirty person, he's gonna do a chant. And there it was. There it goes. Oh. Beautifully timed. Everybody in Fenway Park who's doing the so good, so good, so good. You go to their house. Uh, they keep their CDs in the CD tower. <laughs> there are eight of them. They're all greatest hits and soundtracks. Yeah. They yeah. don't give a shit about music. And, and never did. All it is, they're just trying to time how long it takes for them to down a plate of Gitalian nachos. Oh, oh, a stadium yeah. full of people having the best times of their lives. Love no, they, singing they, they Neil Diamond song. Oh, but they sing it in a dumb way, and that somehow makes Neil Diamond bad? Yes. Well, wait, you're judging, you're judging the song by the people who like it. Yes. Listen, I just want I just want to make a point. We That's how we judge Trump. Yes. Oh. Well, <laughs> thanks for no, the point. <laughs> that's not completely how we judge Trump. It's part of it though. It's part of it it's though. It's a big part of it. Yeah. Here here's the thing. This 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 is this is really the thing. It's not about today is not about proving that Neil Diamond is is terrible. I mean, you may be trying to prove that punk rock is terrible. We're just trying to prove that punk rock is better. Yes, overall. Yeah, Ooh, high road. Yeah, and, and and this is the thing. You're putting words. There's a lot of straw man argument going on. No, right no, 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 no. This is this is that, an honest that, thing. That, that's that what today is all and about. Knock him down. Right. Set him up and knock him down. No, no, no. Don't you press that button. But I put no. Oh wait. Yeah. By the way, I just want to point out. Yeah. That a second ago. This switched to Jimmy Buffett's version of Sweet Caroline at Fenway Park. Yeah. And nobody noticed. noticed. Nobody. Because well, yeah, we, we talked yes. over the music. Yeah. Yeah. So is that what we're listening to? That's what we're listening to. Jimmy just, Buffett. This is how far Sweet Caroline has gone down in the tubes. I don't, I don't, that Jimmy Buffett did a version of this at Fenway Park, combining it with Why Don't We Let Why Don't We Get Drunk and Screw? Or whatever that fucking Hear it? Do you hear it, Dave? This is you. Now, today, Dave, one of these two things is gonna die. One of these things is going to die, and you're going to make that choice. And if you kill punk rock, you're going to have to live in a world where you have to listen to this, and these people aren't checked by punks. Yeah. There's no check. There is no balance. Just the way that that was mic'd, you could tell that Jimmy Buffett pulled a bunch of people on stage, probably some people from the VIP area. They're, like, all of the women are named Ashley. 
You you're know what not. I mean? Yes, you're they not. All <laughs> still have the the Kate Gosselin hair. Yes, you know the accounts payable department's out for a night on the town. You don't just live with with Neil. You live with these people. Yeah, you do. You live with Jimmy Buffett. Listen, I was. That was my heart is breaking. That was so powerful. I was going to let you guys have headed for the future by oh, Neil Diamond as well. It. You got to let us have it. Because this is an actual bad Neil Diamond song, Sweet this Caroline's off. Right, awesome. it's not just a cliched karaoke choice that you're bitching about. Oh. Listen to well. this. This is Neil Diamond's 1986 non-hit, Headed for the Future. <laughs> it's all about how time moves. <laughs> and how we're going forward instead of well, backward. Only if you believe... Good observation, Neil. Only profound, if you believe time is linear. Simplistic profundity. That's what he's great well, at. Well, he does view himself as a bit of a deity. So sure. he may at this time go, I think I might control this. Uh, Let's test it out in yeah. song form. Listen, this is a simple snake charmer. He's trying to change his image in a desperate attempt at relevance. Everybody his age was doing this in 1986. Let's give him a pass, okay? And we'll talk about this when we do the Charm the Snake episode later on. Okay. But this is a terrible song, and I love it. God bless you. It's a great video, too. Everyone who can hear the sound of our voice. And also, we needed to come down from a little of that Jimmy Buffett stuff. I'm sorry. I had to shout you. I get head up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's really hard. I didn't know that existed. I'm sorry. I didn't want to do that. But I had to because of these two. Oh, man. Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> I, now I don't even know if I can listen to Neil Diamond without hearing Jimmy Buffett. Oh, I need somebody to lift my spirits. Thank God Hollywood Steve and J.D. Riznar are here next to me to say something good about Neil Diamond. Because I need it. We kinda- J- J.D., you're fucking nailing it. <laughs> yeah. Hey. We kind of all needed a little bit. I mean, just a little bit. Well, anytime you hear Buffett, I mean... Yeah, well, I know, I know. I didn't... That shotgun in the mouth music. It was a bit of a nuclear option. I'm, uh, here's Jimmy Buffett's... I'm not, oh, my God, it's happening to me, too. Here is Neil Diamond's Brother Love's Traveling Salvation Show. This song launched a brand, Hot yeah. August Night. What a fantastic... Now, it sounds miserable, doesn't it? Hot August Night. But yeah. somehow, when Neil Diamond evokes it, you want to be there. I hear, I hear Neil Diamond call out a hot August night, and I want it to be hotter. I want to feed my cows baked beans and yank off my catalytic converter. What? Global warming, bro. I get it. Oh. Dave Holmes no, gets get it. it. I get it. He's smart. Yeah, well. <laughs> well, that's, that's something I never claimed. <laughs> I want to talk about Weird Neil Diamond for a minute here. We heard the very first glimmerings of Weird Neil on Shiloh. Neil Diamond always loved gospel music way more than any underloved Jewish kid in history. It was always a part of his music, from the call and response backing vocals we heard on Cherry Cherry, to the spiritual undertones of his career-making monkeys smash, I'm a believer. But here, on this song, we hear that weird obsession in its fullest flower on a song that Rolling Stone magazine described as genuinely demented. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, go ahead. I, I, here's, here's what I want to tie it back to. This idea that all a songwriter needs is three chords and the truth. We've already established that Neil Diamond is the master of the three-chord form. What we're hearing now is that Neil Diamond's truth is unlike anyone else's. It alters our perceptions of reality. We see the world through new eyes. Neil's. When I was a kid and I looked at the song titles on my mom's copy of Hot August Night, I was freaked out. I was legitimately freaked out. Was crunchy granola sweet? Soggy pretzels? Porcupine pie? Who is this alien? And what the hell does he eat? 
And the fact that that is the album that made him a superstar <laughs> is further testament to the fact that Neil Diamond's version of the truth is more compelling, more fascinating, more unfathomable than any punk band's ever was. <laughs> Dave, I feel like we're being filibustered. And we, well, yeah, that was... That, I lost me. I, because, and it was partially that, and it was partially the fact that I, if you told me that Neil Diamond was in blackface right now, I would believe you. Yeah. I would believe yeah. you. This is our old blackface. Well, listen. Dave, look, Dave Lyons, let me level with you here. You're not a religious guy. You may believe in a higher being, but I, I know you don't go I to do. church. I do. His name's Neil Diamond. <laughs> I know you don't go to church. Oh, that, yeah. That's my point. That was uh, Neil's point, too. Yeah, yeah. like, he, uh, Neil Diamond's the closest thing you have to religion. You made the point for me. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump in there. No, have it's you, okay. You've seen this live. You've seen this live. I've I been, have. I've been to see Neil Diamond with yeah. two of you. All I'm saying is punk rock is a ticket to hell. Neil Diamond, Afterlife or Not, is a trip into bliss. Uh, I would disagree. I would like to say that, listen, I too am skeptical of religion. Some, some might say I'm cynical. Yeah. I don't like it. I say it's a lot of bullshit developed by maybe a sociopath who convinced his followers that he was a deity, able to perform magical works. That is knowledge. Do you think deeper. Neil Diamond can perform magical and, works? And yeah, have you seen his shirt? Have you listened to his Well, music? he just proved it. See? But I'm just trying to say... The, you do? He, he, yes, I do. Uh, and Dave, you could also chime in here. Okay. Anytime. I just, we could be describing L. Ron Hubbard, but instead we're describing Ooh. Neil Leslie Diamond. Yeah. Sorry. A little that close. Was my, that little. was actually my stomach oh. weighing in on Neil Diamond. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he, Neil he, Diamond he, is a failed cult leader. My body is rejecting him. <laughs> yeah, no, but he does. He does. He comes off very, very grandiose and sociopathic that, and, and, and Hubbard-esque. Yeah, and that's why he was upset. You guys were asking, like, why does he want to sing this song about religion? When he's, he, this wasn't not, his... I wasn't asking. Well, okay. I wasn't asking why at all. Oh. That, is, that is how Neil Diamond conceives himself, as somebody who is traveling the world, spreading the gospel of music. Gospel of... Music. 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 Neil. Music. Neil. Music. Neil. No, of music. Y yes. Uh, was it? But I just want to say, I just want to say that oh, was, you do. Yes, uh, I'm sorry, Neil. You're you're you did a good. You tried, but you, your ego wasn't quite good enough to become the deity that you wish it would have been. He likes to brag. Somebody else liked to brag. Her name was Debrat. Yeah. Oh, so think about that. Mm. So I just yeah. want that to soak better, in a little crunch bit. Crunch those numbers. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting. I'm starting to feel just like saying. the ramblings of a madman are actually coming from Hunter and not Neil Diamond now. Mm. A little it's, bit. A little it's bit. It's making a lot of sense. No, it's actually. It's it's. it's just listen. It's Neil. Oh, We're just great. moving on to the punk rock. That's all. Fifteen. Fifty-five states left. Yeah. Fifteen left. Depends oh, if we're fifteen left. There's not a hundred states. If, no. if we're carrying yeah. the one, it really depends. Where are we, Dave? Oh, we are in New Jersey, oh, everybody. No. New York's no, retarded no, little no. brother. We took a wrong. We took a wrong turn. We're in Florida. What are you doing? We're gonna welcome to Florida, home of Jimmy Buffett. Oh, oh my God! God. No. Man of the What's keys. going on? Listen, Jimmy Buffett is a, one of Florida's great sons. 
He, he, why would you do this? Yeah, why? You're just you're taking away one of our punk songs. Soundtrack to the state. The irony of somebody who walked in this room eating a gas station cheeseburger, <laughs> then playing cheeseburger in paradise. That's how I feel right now. Listen, uh, Florida, this room is paradise. Is, uh, 7-Eleven cheeseburger in Burbank. It's an important. <laughs> that's uh, synonymous. It's a. Uh, he may as well have titled the song 7-Eleven cheeseburger in Burbank. So, so we'll, we'll make it to New Jersey. And the misfits another time. But Florida, the sun is shining, the, the sea levels are rising. You gotta oh be here there before it's too late. Other musicians in Florida include Florida, uh, uh, Piedmont blues singer and guitarist Gabriel Brown. You hated oldie time. Saxophonist Buster Bennett. Uh, Listen, I pulled the. I, I just want to say, me, brothers. I, I pulled the nuclear uh, option for a reason. Some might say nuclear. He would. Jim Morrison, born in Florida. Yeah, isn't fucking Smash Mouth from there too? They have to be. Yeah, right. The only good thing I know of that came from Florida is my wife. What about? And she was smart enough to get out. Yeah. What about Molly Hatchet or Blackfoot or Thirty Eight Special? All right, I'll give you Molly Hatchet. I, I want to get. I want to do this. If we're gonna be in Florida, I. Death. Oh yeah, the Tampa death the, metal the scene. The Tampa me- no. death, death metal scene. Morbid Angel, Deicide. Uh, as much obituary. shit I would give Florida, that was a legitimate cultural impact, and they are great. Thank you, Florida, for that. I did. I think Bertie once... Higgins is from there too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bertie Higgins. I did once uh, see, like, I was probably in about the eighth grade, and I saw the band Pretty Poison. Who's oh, saying Catch Me I'm Falling? Catch Me I'm Falling. Uh, I did see them live at a club in Florida when I was very young. My brother was the DJ, snuck me in. Sure. H- Hulk Hogan's B, band. Stevie B and the whole oh, yeah. freestyle. Oh, yeah. yeah, the Latin freestyle scene. Yeah. Expose. George Lamond and stuff. Expose. Yeah. Hulk Hogan's band, Coco. Coco. <laughs> Hulk Hogan band, band and Coco. Anytime Hulk Hogan sings from Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the two live crew, Miami bass. Wow. What a state. What a great state of God, great And Tom music. Petty. Tom Petty's from Florida, right? Yes, he is, yeah. Like Gainesville, right? Gainesville? Oh, I can right. wrong. Gainesville? Let's get back on the bus. Yeah. Oh, God. Get I didn't know we were going there. We went there twice. Oh, why would, why did that happen? I can't believe that just Because happened. you can't have an episode that's 100% devoted to your uh, music. Steve's kind of right there. But boy, that Neil Diamond case was really compelling. I'm going back and forth in my mind. Oh, jeez. I gotta hear an argument for punk. Let's see what these guys have to say. It's not really an yeah. argument. We're just playing some no, we're songs. we're just playing great songs, and you're going to cover the conclusion that we did. Yeah. We're starting with True Sounds of Liberty, T-S-O-L. First with Die For Me, which was kind of like their early political. Yeah. They only did an EP. Mm-hmm. It was a few minutes ago before they went into the sort of Misfits. We didn't get to play the Misfits, so we're going to sit there a little bit in, the, in a Misfits-esque sure. kind of stuff. In a Misfits-y place. Yeah. We're going we're gonna, to uh, do some, we're going to bench press. <laughs> Which they did love to do. I don't know you what's know, going on here. This is garbage. I can't even understand what's happening. The music. Who does, who's right. playing bass here? Did they hire right. the, the we, guy with the biggest fingers from Home Depot? Hey, you get in the van. We need a bass player. It's it's funny. One of the reasons I like TSOL is because of their bass playing. I think it's really. And uh, get in the van was the name of uh, Henry Rollins. Uh, Biography. Yeah, his book. Yeah. His tour biography. They went to Flint. That was one of the first punk books I owned. Uh, see, I hear this, and I hear Southern California. It you is. I mean? That's where I we are. Like, I don't skateboard, but I feel like I should be on a skateboard. Yeah. I, li- I listen yeah. to this. I, f- I hear what I feel like 24 hours after Bad Clamps. 
just shakes me up. Huh. But it should, man. Cool. That's what punk's about. Yeah. It's supposed to shake you up like bad clams. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You want to start a band that. called Bad Clams? <laughs> I would love to. I'm ready. So it's become very clear to me that what we're really debating today is is mental health. You see and how we talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and how we and how we deal with it. Really, tens of millions of us suffer from some yeah. form. Of anxiety so, here in the do we want do we want to indulge our fear, our fears, and our inadequacies? Do we want to grow older and overcompensate by telling people how much sex you have? Absolutely. Or but no, kind of sequence on ourselves. I would love to do that. Or well, maybe make a movie where everyone calls you a, a kid. Even about, though you're 45. Oh, like Chris? <laughs> yeah, about how great old. you are and how everyone else is stupid. For not recognizing. Are you describing Purple Rain? Or, or maybe no, we he have. He was legitimately like 22 in that, wasn't he? No, he's 44. Yeah. <laughs> 45. I'll be down. Oh, Graffiti oh, Bridge. Oh, 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 Purple Rain? No, he was like 22, yeah. 23. Yeah. Yeah. Neil Diamond was 45 in yeah. uh, Jazz Singer. But here, we're listening to punk. Maybe maybe you want to sort of deal with your issues. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like punk rock does. We, it's okay to express your honest emotions and get it out of the way. Yeah. That's That you improve as a human being. You don't keep creating. You don't try to head for the future. or you be vulnerable. Yes. If you want. It's strength. Are that you saying that grandiosity was not one of Neil Diamond's genuine emotions? Well, I think it became... It absolutely was. I think it was the lid on top of the bubbling pot of insecurity. Yeah. Let me talk about this song right here. This song is called Cold, Cold well, I Blue. Well, I want to talk about it. It's called Cold Blue. This is, this is when they've gone to horror, the horror punk yeah, arena. Yeah, it's Monster Mash 2. Oh, so they're jumping on the Misfits bandwagon. One of the hardest parts of growing up is learning how to deal with other people and their issues, not just your own emotional issues. And, it, and it's frustrating. Some of us become empathetic. Some of us just say no to everyone else's ideas. I don't know. I'm not, maybe not. No, I don't. Either way, it's tough, especially in relationships. Come on. We've all sometimes wanted to fuck the dead. Ooh, Igor. It's way easier, Igor, right? Igor, I want to fuck the dead. Bring me my lube. Oh, I'm so shocking. Oh. I'm a shocking punk rock singer. Oh. These guys, they don't want to hear people being honest and being I, raw and stripping try- down the pretense in order to in to order to express that emotion. They're trying to be shocking for pretend. No. For... Just because they want to be shocked. Your attention. You're projecting that. The Misfits yeah, that's did exactly this what better. You're you are that's totally exactly projecting that. Yeah, no, At least Neil Diamond wanted attention legit. because he was a rock star. He wanted to be famous, and he made that clear. These guys, oh, we don't want to be famous. We just want to talk about well, guess shocking what? Guess things. what? They succeeded. Neil yeah. Diamond succeeded at becoming enormously successful. They didn't want to become yeah. successful. And guess what? They were as successful as as Neil Diamond in not being successful. Yeah. Let's bury the heads Their in the dreams sand. came true. No, Jiggy, no. Let's then, talk about Jiggy, it. Their dreams came true. Oh, man. And then they became a thrash band, if I'm not mistaken. They yeah, became they a did. hair metal band. Oh, this yeah. is TSOL is complicated. Guns N' Roses loved them. They used to wear their shirts on site. They affected everybody. They created goth. They affected Duff McKagan. Oh, man. Punk has... No, actually... Everybody shut up. Somebody's trying to have an inner monologue. Hunters has a lot to say about this. And that was a good punk song, but I wonder if there's any bad punk out there. Huh. Let's let them talk on this one. I guess. Amen. Come on, guys. Jeez. Thought it's a back and forth. I don't know what you're waiting for. Neither do I. I think the song. (laughs) 
Steve's um, going to talk first. Oh, wait. Well, this is the perfect playing? punk song. Yeah, you know, the one quiet. with the long intro. This is uh, 433. Uh, this is yeah. Calibretto 13's Man, America. you guys nailed it on this choice. Good work. Oh, he's he's talking. Oh. This is the band Calibretto 13. This is a conservative Christian punk song called America. And as you can hear, when you listen to this, when you eventually, quote unquote, lyrics, eventually, yeah. It, it's a slow bill, uh, like punk does. Punk rock. Well, Dave just said how he liked that song with the uh, slow bill. With uh, I want to yeah, the screeching yeah, whistle. Yeah. yeah, the slow bill. <laughs> anyway, that was a little better. He, we chose we chose this song because punk rock's trademark attitude is by now so well known, just as well known as the rebelliousness of Steppenwolf's Born to Be Wild. That people who fancy themselves anti-authoritarian underdogs can. Co-op that attitude without realizing that they are anything but an anti-authoritarian underdog in real life. And that's what you're hearing in this shitty Christian punk song by a guy who's this kissy, puritanical, violent, femme-sounding motherfucker who likes to whine about how Americans enjoy things that feel good, like pleasure and sex and fun. This is what punk rock has become, Dave. Jerks angry that their pastor lied to them about what life is about so they can make a song that's upbeat and fun on the surface, but bitter, hateful, and oppressive inside. The, the Christians have co-opted punk. See, I think what makes this shitty is that it's Christian. And not because it's punk. Yeah, but are Christians doing Neil Diamond music? But it's Christians who think that they really Dave, are punks. Right. Dave, they're deluding yeah. themselves. Dave, I mean, really, you aren't see we right? You see right through. Aren't we talking about basically these these gentlemen seem like they have some issues? Listen, they might want to work out creatively. Yeah, because if you don't work on things, yeah, but they're not working them out creatively. They're going deeper down the rabbit hole of, of expressing yourself is working it here's, out. Here's going the, down I, the rabbit hole. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable, Steve. Here's the irony of these guys and why punk is dangerous the wrong people can use it and it needs to be crushed it's because these people you know it's a great punk rock theme here like wake up sheeple you're being co-opted by the by the evil mainstream culture. american culture but they are this, these guys are conservative christians we don't by uh, definition and by word of jesus to, they are literal sheep we're not agreeing with their no. message but they're talking about what we're talking about is which they're honestly working out their issues yeah but, but they're, they're, they're no they're not honestly working out their Constructed with it. Also, does the fact that I've never heard of this ever in my life until just this moment mean nothing? They tried and they failed. Yeah, See, I mean, it wasn't picked too. up by the masses. This song's funny. Well, this to me sounds more like any this real fits, way. This fits better with uh, Violent Thumbs or Dead Milkmen than I would put with actual punk. Oh, these these, these guys punk. were on Tooth and Nail, which is like the Christian punk label yeah, of the no, 90s. Tooth and Nail. Tooth and nail. Um, it's mediocre nail. at best. I'm not, I'm, we can't defend this, but at least we, we're going to defend their right to express themselves yeah. and their you, frustration. You guys are right. This is a terrible song. Yeah. yeah. But this is what punk is becoming. It, it's time it's to say song, no But it tells us nothing about what punk is. Yeah. Well, it tells us something about what punk has become it over the years. It tells us okay. that punk is an outlet, an efficient outlet for It, it tells us that punk issues. is dead. Somebody with terrible uh, ideas has an outlet because of punk. I don't think punk can never be dead. Ever. The, one, the one thing, the one punk thing about these two songs is that they're very, very short. So that is one good thing that punk gave Calibretto 13. Yes. It's a terrible <laughs> song and they made it short. They made it quick. You're Beautiful. in your out. All right. They learned the right lessons from the remotes. Oh, man. 
JD and Steve are really blowing this one. <laughs> Those other two guys are smart and they really like punk. I don't even know if JD Rizna understands punk. Well, I'll let David Holmes and Hunter talk about a nice punk song again. That'll make me feel good. Yeah, let's talk about a nice punk song. Oh, here it is. Let's talk about where it came from. Let's talk about where it came from. New York City. Yeah. CBGB's. Oh, in, uh, in the Bowery. Yeah. Legendary punk club. It's now a John Varvato store, but that's not its <laughs> yeah. fault. It's not its fault. That's what happens sometimes. It's progress. I, Varvatos is better than nothing, I guess. Yeah, I guess. He's from Detroit. Yeah, it's better than a Chipotle, yeah. I suppose. Hello. Good point. Uh, the Ramones, Hello. one of the greatest bands of all time, and they were great because they were butt ugly. They yeah. were uh, on a ton of speed. Not that smart. Not that smart. Uh, they had an aesthetic that you could tell was just theirs. This is just what they did. They had an emotional intelligence, I will say. At okay, least sure. GD. Sure. Yeah. He, yeah. There's a there's a great story. Their manager, Monty Melnick, was uh, taking them out after a show. Took them all to 7-Eleven to get, like, Yoo-Hoo and Soda Pop or whatever they drank. And some lady came up to the manager and said, "It is there is a special place in heaven for you. Yeah. It is so nice of you to take care of these four retarded boys. <laughs> oh. Oh. That's well, that's and that's gorgeous. that's the amazing thing about punk is that away from the stage, yeah, they they were silent, withdrawn, couldn't express themselves. Awkward, you might and say, what, like a young fact, Neil Diamond. What what are people? Uh, what are people in general afraid of besides homosexuals? Is is, is the like mentally handicapped people are are at the bottom <laughs> rung of wow. American society? Yeah, the Ramones did not much as screeching weasel. Wanted to be a homosexual, the Ramones didn't care if the world saw them as retarded. Yeah. It didn't matter. It was a beautiful, it was a beautiful thing. They were yeah. human, and they dealt with human. Those and they issues. dealt directly from the heart. Yes, and and they were they were part of the CBGB scene, which was so which just created music that didn't just yeah. sound like this. It sounded like television, and it sounded like Talking Heads, and it talked. It sounded like Blondie and Blondie, and, and the Police played their first show at yeah. CBGBs in '77. Sure. We sure. didn't was, say the name of this song. It's I oh. don't want to go down to the basement. And sure. this was the very first song my punk band Coital Appendage. Learned how to play. Yeah. Coital appendage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I remember. That's okay. why I picked it. All right. Uh, <laughs> this here's a th- here's another thing about that. They played this for a year at CBGB before it went uh, onto their album. This is kind of their practice song. This this is like the purest form of the Ramones, and it's also their longest song on the album. This is when they got all their aggression out on stage. It was also the song Sid Vicious learned to play bass to. Yes. And it, this song uh, affected the Sex Pistols punk more than any punk, other song. Though. That's why we picked it. He but didn't learn to play the bass very well. He did. Well, he just he just learned, but he's, he, it was he's effective. Only, it's not a, a worldwide song. icon and legend. Listen, and 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 here and here's uh, today you're. Love tomorrow the world. This is a personal one. I love this song, and you can say it. I just want to. I'm just saying that the reason I picked this song is because this is one of the greatest album enders of all time. They go out with a huge bang on this, so I picked this one to give us a little extra time to talk. Go for it, JD. Listen, so short. Listen, punk rock guys, they're a bunch of wannabes. Before deciding that punk rock was going to be his thing, you're projecting. Joey Ramone was in a glam band and called himself Jeff Starship. Yes. Wikipedia says. As he said, I used to wear a custom-made black jumpsuit, like these pink knee high platform boots, all kinds of rhinestones, lots of dangly belts and gloves. I guess that didn't work for him, so he put on another costume. And all that's fine if the Ramones were trying to pass off as authentic. If they weren't trying to pass off as authentic, Neil Diamond puts on a striped 
Neil Diamond puts on his sparkly shirt and says, I'm a showman. I'm you don't even to believe what you're saying. I'm yeah. trying to entertain you. And he does. He's just filibustering. Joey Ramone puts on a leather jacket and says, I'm a tough guy. I'm telling you the truth. Artifice that is, is fine. That is yep. Artifice is passing. Artifice passing is truth. Needs to be called out for what it is. I call you out, punk rock music. A bunch of wannabes. That's not true at all. Joey Ramone would never say I'm a real tough guy. No. Except He's for implying it. Except the for the song, uh, Too Tough to Die. And that was about Johnny because he didn't give a fuck about what anybody else he got said. Yeah, yeah, he almost died and he didn't die. But but Joey Ramone wasn't that person. Here's the thing about their what you call costumes. It was a uniform. It was a uniform, but it was also what the Rhett boys wore, like like uh-huh. Dee Dee wore. They were taking that image back. They were this 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 twisted uh, this twisted image of masculinity, and they were going out there with long hair and saying, "I don't give a fuck what you think of me. I am an open wound. I no fucking rock and roll like nobody's business, and I'm gonna fucking kill it on stage every single night." And they played it faster and harder than anybody else. I'm just saying the guys that they were uh, pretending to be were too were too satisfied with their heroin ha- ha- uh, habit to ever pick up instruments. These guys just want to be famous, and they want to pretend they don't want to be famous. It's disgusting. They were wannabes. Mm. Here's he, what you said is true. They did want to be famous, but they never compromised, and they it never, always frustrated them. Yeah, and they never were. I mean, they didn't get famous until half of them were dead. Yes, very true. And it frustrated them because it was Deadlines, never their intention to change us. their music to be famous, even though they may have wanted it. They wanted to be rock stars. Beautiful for them. Shit, fuck balls. Shit, fuck balls. <laughs> Oh man, Hunter's talking way too much. He's really passionate about this. It's kind of turning me off to punk rock. He's really correct and smart and passionate about it, but I have a feeling he's hiding something. Maybe maybe he's self-conscious and doesn't believe that punk is that great. I'm sure JD and Steve will have another example of a punk song here that'll maybe prove that punk isn't that great. <laughs> I wonder what it'll be. I... I think somebody was editorializing. Oh, is this Jeff Leppard's Rock of Ages? No! It's a shitty fucking Uh, Offspring song. It's a punk song. This is a punk rock song. This is a punk rock song. Yes, it is. This is the Offspring's Pretty Fly for a White Guy. When you encourage and enable bands like the Ramones that are arguably good. No, the Ramones are good. This is is what you wind up with. Meet my argument, not my level. Here's the thing. Many, many artists rewrite their own hits from time to time. Neil Diamond rewrote his breakout hit, Cherry Cherry. It became the Monkees classic, A Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You. Yeah, there's, the actually, there's, a, there's a name for that. There's a literary term for that. Steinman did that all the time when you uh, would rewrite your own song. For Self-plagiarism? No, that's what that's what it's called when John Fogarty does it. Um, <laughs> we'll figure it out later. Yeah. No, the judge said that wasn't true. <laughs> Anyway, The Offspring rewrote their own breakthrough hit, Come Out and Play, for the lead single off their follow-up album, which was this piece of shit. They took out all the most musically interesting bits in order to focus on their alleged sense of humor, which in practice consists of ham-fisted satire with really uncomfortable vocal interjections from... I get This doesn't work without the video. Dexter without, Holland? This, yeah. Oh, 
Let me tell you they got they got they got black women in the studio to yell, "Give it to me, baby." Yeah. Remember his braids? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's oh, bad. Jesus. Dexter Holland was 33 years old when he wrote this song. 33. When Neil Diamond was 33, he was writing a song called Longfellow Serenade. Now that's sophistication. It's a beautiful that's song. That's the finest port wine money can buy. That's a guy wearing his pretensions on his sleeve proudly in display for all to see. And this is it. And right now we're listening to a guy who's like, eh, the revolution failed. I'm just going to make fun of people who like, or they're white, but like they want to be black. <laughs> this song was not, this song is not nearly as funny as Weird Al's White and Nerdy, which is a much better take on the same subject huh. matter. Do you guys know that in high school I was suspended for a week for falsely being accused of a fictitious holiday, making fun of white people trying to be black? I did not know that, Dave. It's a fascinating story, and I probably shouldn't even be talking about it. Okay. But the ACLU got involved to uh, erase it from my files. Wow. Oh, Fantastic. Okay. So and, you, I was, and I was innocent. You would say, long ago, you made the argument much better than they do, because yeah. you made the same argument. Because off pretty sucks. Well, it was punk when I did it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. This That's is a terrible thing. This is indefensible. The problem with the offspring is that and, and they don't get punk. Because most of their songs were commenting on other people's issues and not their own issues. That's exactly also, right. Um, She's got issues. Yes. Yes. She's pretty fine for a white guy. Their, their, biggest, their biggest song was self-esteem. It yeah. was about somebody else. It wasn't about them. Yeah, they, they direct all of their all of their punk attitude at easy and ultimately inconsequential targets. But listen, when you've got a guy as, as well put together and... And emotionally solid as David Lyons, he does. You don't need punk rock music anymore. Maybe you needed it when you were a struggling kid, but now it's all done. You don't need it's, it anymore. You're growing up. But a next generation is going to need it. Yeah, no, they this don't idea is the problem. The, the fact that you're going to bury your head and not deal with listen, issues. As long as punk exists, this terrible the offspring was gonna, not dealing with. No, issues. they weren't, and I'm not claiming yeah. they were, but I'm claiming they 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 ruined. They didn't get the genre. They, but they, they are also it. one of the most popular punk bands of all time. The band I'm not using one pop does not mean necessarily bad, but it tends to In be punk bad. rock. The bad bubbles to the top, and that inspires the next oh, generation. I don't know about that. It has I, to be crushed. It, no, I, it Ab bubbles Ab to the top Ab of the charts. Songs are more punk than, than yeah. the <laughs> Offspring. Yeah. Than anything the Offspring ever yeah. did. The uh, Dexter Holland was cousins with one of the guys in Bad Religion. It was probably Greg Graffin, Savage Steve Holland, who uh, runs Epitaph Records, and I think that's why they got their deal. Mm. Yeah, they were they're, on Epitaph, which is but usually they're, one they're of the record, most credible punk absolutely. labels around. Their uh, their record is still the highest selling independent release of all time, Crush. and that is because. And then they sold. They were sold to Columbia. Crush punk. Punk sold out harder than baby boomers under Ronald Reagan with the Offspring. You oh. shut your mouth. Oh man, that Offspring's bad. I guess maybe I am doing a bad thing supporting punk. I'm down to the dumps right now. Uh, I don't want to say no to punk, so, jeez, I, I really hope Hunter and Dave Holmes have something good about to say about punk right now. Dave, I appreciate your inner monologue's neutrality throughout this whole thing. Thank you. Um, I tried. Very professional. Here we are in the UK, and we want to talk oh. a little bit about pop punk a little bit. Because it always gets shit on, but when you go to its yeah, source, yeah, most of it isn't as good as this. Yes, right. but when you really go to its most source it. and you understand what punk is about, it's transcendent. Which is what we have here with the Buzzcocks. Gorgeous. Ever fallen in love with someone you shouldn't have? 
Did this lead us indirectly to some 41? Maybe, but it's not its fault. It's not its fault. Right. They can get twisted. Yeah, everything can get twisted. JD said, or I don't know if you said it, but I know you you believe this, that punk is for the emotional immature. It is. Listen, this song's nice. Every Everyone falling in love. Uh, everyone's falling in love with someone that, oof, that you shouldn't have fallen in love with. They can't yep. just have the nice sentiment. This punk just lets people, you gotta just let people have their happiness. Like, we get it. Happiness isn't cool. Stab happiness in the balls a little bit, punk rock. Keep your misery out of my friend Dave's life. He has things oh. going really good for him, and I don't need you reminding him of the bad times anymore. Vulner vulnerability is strength. Yes. And, 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 and we've all had a love that didn't really work out that well, except maybe we're not as good as the Buzzcocks by putting in maybe arguably one of the greatest songs ever written and this is a fantastic song this is so amazing it's honest emotions it's honest emotions put out there in a mature manner you're saying it's emotionally immature this is quite a mature song if you ask me yeah uh, this is adult punk, really. I, I, I mean, I know that we have to talk over it, but it's killing me to have to talk over it. This is all I wanted to listen song. to. It. It's true. It's you know, this true. was the number one of my punk rock bumpers that I did a couple weeks ago. Oh, oh don't give all the answers. No one's getting them. They're too obscure. <laughs> oh, okay. Listen, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how much more you have to say. It's, but this is this is an honest. It's an amazing song. It's it's uh, the problem with a lot of societies. You have a bunch of Neil Diamonds out there taking pictures of their food and smiling with their cameras, with something happening in the background. That's not Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond doesn't need to take uh, selfies. He's, our whole the world is his selfies. Are wrapped up a good in point, fearing JD. like we are the best. That everything is great. That the thing in the background has been improved by our present, our, our pr just our mere presence in said picture. The truth is that heartbreak and failure is real human emotions. And these are the things that we need to work through. And this is what the Buzzcocks did. And they're amazing, amazing. at it. Amazing. Seconded. Oh. And here, okay. Our name is the Buzzcocks. Oh. We put a wiener word in our band name. We're no. naughty boys. Uh, well, of course you no. are, you punk rockers. That's not true at all. No. I'm tired. Everyone, I'm tired of experiencing fail attempt at controversy by D students. This no. is harmony in my, in, in my head. This is... This is this is, I just, we picked this because they can also be a little more punk, a little rougher. That's sure. what this song is. And the name was from a, a, a headline that said, it's the buzz, cock, and cock meant like friend. Yeah, I don't even think cock meant dick back then. It meant mate. Yeah, of course it did. They it, saw that, they laughed, haha, <laughs> it says wiener in the word. No, they, that's uh, going to be our well, brand. Well, yeah, it may have had a double meaning, but really what they were doing is like, there is this movement called punk, and it's very exciting, and it's, it's, it's basically rock and roll is back. Yeah. This what punk was, was a shot in the arm. Was what, what punk was then? I am I've been searching since punk came out for that type of emotion to come out of rock and roll. Right. And these guys they they rode that wave, man, and listen to this fucking song. I, I love the Bucks Cox. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic. Incredibly tight songwriters. And they and and they and it's pop. Yeah, anybody can appreciate it. it you go, it's it's multi-format. Everybody can love it. Right. And uh, it's you know if you if you go back to like these shows back in the UK, the people who were in the audience of those shows became the the next generation of bands in the early eighties, yeah. mid eighties. Yeah. Like they they were it was such an inspiring movement that this it, energy. Like, led everybody to go form a band. You can feel this energy. But the problem is. 
who are they inspiring now? It's not good. It's yeah, not good. Let but me, the, let the me essential, the kernel, the kernel at the heart of punk will continue to inspire people. Yes. It'll be a new thing. It's it'll the be a new thing. Rock and it'll roll. be in a, and it'll be in a in a different guise. It'll be it'll use different instrumentation. It'll, everything will be different moving forward. But the the anarchic spirit of punk rock will continue to inspire people yeah. in ways that will frighten us probably. Yeah, harder and, and how faster. great is that? We have no idea what's to come. I yes. want to talk about that for a minute though, because we we've talked here about we've talked about CBGBs and how great sure. that scene was, how musically diverse it and was. Max's Kansas We've City. talked about Shout how, uh, you know, the Buzzcocks yeah, are Max great. Is. They inspired a whole generation of pop punk bands. But here's the thing. Punk rock's creative legacy rests largely on its first few years as a movement. After that, the music inspired other genres. You know, we... You get into alternative and indie rock. You get into other other movements that adopt that punk DIY attitude. But punk rock itself has undergone over the years a musical narrowing to where most of the bands sound pretty much the same. Rock they and sound, roll has they gone sound over like musical fifth, narrowing. They, they sound like fifth generation Ramones ripoffs. Uh, uh, and for all its all its impact, all its legacy, all its creativity. Early punk rock, that musically diverse CBGB scene, that's not the blueprint for what punk rock is anymore. Punk rock is a bunch of bands trying to be individualists who all sound the same. No, that's what I, it no, is now. You're not I mean you're not wrong that there is like people will talk about that's a punk way to do that or that's a punk chord or whatever. And it's like that's ridiculous. Punk is about a spirit, it's about a spirit of rebellion and vulnerability and awesomeness and 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 just and and, and like getting up on stage even before you have the talent to be up on stage and just doing something emotional yeah. and honest and beautiful. Yeah, being and I think honest, the spirit of punk rock exists right now in improv. So there you go. You know, you know what? Anymore. No, I'm, I'm no, wearing the Ramones Too Tough to Die shirt. I, I love this album because they were in their mid-30s when they did this, and they fucking knocked it out of the park. And it's because when you when you own the true spirit of punk rock, it never goes away, and you can still make a fucking awesome rock and roll album. I'm That's the last Dave, thing I want to say. I'm saying, Dave, you're a 40-year-old man. You have sophisticated taste. You have no use for this anymore. This is insane music for little people with little minds. I got two words for you. I got two words for you. Vans Tour. Vans Tour. That's called the Vans Warped Tour. Vans Warped Tour. Uh, That's three. This is three words. The Proto Men are on the Warped Tour now. This is Sweet Caroline by Yellow Card is on the Warped Tour now. So it's not a pop punk tour anymore. Is what you're saying? This is Sweet Caroline by Me First and the Gimme Gimmies. A super group. Yeah, they are punk super group. Little 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 diamond, little punk Dave. Think about it for a little bit. Okay, think about deliberating on the arguments that we have made. God, this is this is tearing me up. This is Dave and I's closing argument. Yeah. Okay. Great. We'll take it. Um, the Vans yeah. tour, Dave. Okay, it's um, a punk tour that was sponsored so by Vans. Vans. Band was on it first. Vans is sponsoring. So I, I have fond memories of the Vans Warped tour. Yeah, I went to like the first four or five of them. But aside from Kid Rock being there, they were great. <laughs> okay, I <laughs> can't, can't blame anybody. Let me Kid read Rock, the, but Kid Rock. Let, those are our arguments. Let me read the credits while you deliberate. Okay. Uh, so thank you for joining us on Beyond Yacht Rock. What a show! Uh, next episode, I'm in the captain's chair with a little genre I like to call I'm Bob Seger. You're going to want to get your I'm Bob Seger shirts this week to wear while you listen to the episode. They're going fast and definitely going to sell out after this killer app. Leftover from our show. JDRiznard.etsy.com. Oh, oh, Two years ago. Yeah. 
Fine this Great week. Show. Dave, you have to be thinking right now. You have to be thinking. Sorry. Sorry. It's your, you already thought. Your, your beautiful timber is so distracting. Find this week's Neil Diamond versus Punk Rock playlist by following J.D. Risner on Spotify. Go to go to Feral Audio for show notes by Tim Malcolm and follow him on Twitter at Timothy Malcolm for fun facts. Send questions via Twitter at Yacht Rock. Follow J.D. at J.D. Risner. Follow Hollywood Steve at Hollywood Steve H. Follow Dave at David underscore B underscore Lions. Follow Hunter at Hunter Stare. Follow Dave Holmes at Dave Holmes. H-O-L-M-E-S? That's right. Cool. <laughs> Follow Dave home. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a lovely place. Um, like Yacht Rock on Facebook. Rate and review us on iTunes. Go to YachtRock.com for what will hopefully one day be a useful experience. It is a useful experience now. Oh, that is. Yeah, yeah it's it not is. one day. Okay. Oh, my yeah, God. You're on autopilot. Stop minimizing bro. us. Oh, yeah. Today's Sorry. the day. Thanks to Marvin Urius, royalty-free music maker for the bumper beds. Uh, I took them uh, via Spotify. Boy, he's the best. Uh, additional bumpers by Rob Crow and Mark Rivers. Thanks to producer Dustin Marshall for uh, not trying to influence Dave's decision in any way. Check out Feral Audio Podcast at feralaudio.com. Thank you so much for coming, Dave Holmes. It was, Woo, it was so much fun you. to be here. And Dave's decision is... <laughs> oh, it's a plug hole. Hold on a second. Oh, we're in the plug hole. We got some things to plug. We have some things to plug oh, here. Okay, okay so pages. this plug hole was created. This plug hole bed was created by at Yacht Rock Bot. Follow Yacht Rock Bot <laughs> on Twitter to be inundated by Yacht Rock lyrics and lines from our Yacht Rock Internet show. I, I swear, Yacht Rock Bot is not us. Yeah, he and, harassed me. And because of that, I love it. Make a musical bed for plug hole. Get a plug. That's how it works. Go to rhetoriccoffee.com to sign up for a hot bean meat delivered by monthly. Put in promo code YachtRock and get 30% off your first bag of beans. R-H-E-T-O-R-I-C coffee. Go to YachtRock.com and buy a t-shirt or a jean meat button. They just came up. Please. It'll help us uh, plan financially uh, viable live tours and may visit your town. We may visit your town. We're also taking pre-orders on t-shirt sizes that are out of stock, so reserve yours today. Like girl sizes. Whoa, what's that noise? I think I... Okay, I got the bed back. Is your record script I got skipping? The bed back. That was it's weird. a remix. And if you want to volunteer a piece on Yacht Rock for the YachtRock.com captain's blog, contact us at beyondyachtrock at gmail.com and we'll make arrangements and plug your shit in exchange. Hey, go to jdrizzo.etsy.com. Get your mitts on a 9Bob Seeger shirt. Available in two convenient sizes for all of you who are either medium or large men. And head to Amazon.com through the Feral Audio portal and pick up Dave Holmes' book, Party of One, a memoir in 21 songs. It's Thanks, it's really fantastic. It's gotten Dave? great reviews. And thank for, again, thank you for being here. Thank you, Dave. For, yes, thank you so much. Thank you for being on my team. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. No, hold oh, hand. we're holding hands. Hold my hand. We're holding hands. Punk rock.